Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks. So I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list. I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. You got me shaking, And we're back. You guys, I can't wait to tell you this story. Seriously, I've been dying to tell you what happened with Hubba Hubba. You're not going to believe it. So picture it. There I am, crouched down behind a dresser in his bedroom. I'm just staring down at my bare feet. My thighs are killing me. Yeah, I've been working out, but I don't know how much longer I can stay in this position. I'm just thinking, Rachel, you're 47 years old. You're too old for this. How do you always get yourself into these situations? Of course this happened. Nothing can ever just be good. Why would you think this time would be any different? This is ridiculous. This is comical. This is actually going to make such a good story for the podcast. Seriously, thank God for this podcast. Finding love better be worth this. So in my mind, I start narrating the podcast from my hiding spot in his bedroom. Will the heroine ever find love? Will she find happiness? Will she ever, ever have sex again? I realize, hmm, I should take some notes. So I try to reach for my phone, but I almost lose my balance. I'm holding my jacket, my boots, and my purse, and I'm trying not to make a sound. (sighs) Wait, wait, wait. I always do this. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I always want to jump ahead to the good stuff, but I need to tell you what happened before this and then also how I got here in the first place. So actually, let's start over. Let me start this properly. Hi, welcome to season three. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Rachel and I'm your host. And for the past two seasons, I've been on a quest to find love. Spoiler alert, it's not down here behind this hot guy's dresser. So if you're not new and you've been listening to the podcast, you know that over the past year, I've dated enough now that I'm completely disenchanted with the dating process. I mean, hello, look where it's gone to me. But anyway, I'm disenchanted, but I still do want a partner for certain things, for certain needs. I have needs. And so for season three, I'll be exploring how to date with an eye towards getting those needs met. I'm talking about companionship, having an adventure buddy, play, that kind of playmate energy that I tend to fall for. And yes, sex, lots of sex. Seasons one and two had practically no sex at all, like none. But maybe we can change that in season three. For the last two seasons, I've had three main rules that have guided me. Rule number one. Make it fun. Are we having fun yet? No, I lost the fun. Dating has become this weird ritualistic dance. I think the problem is with all the advice I'm getting on how I should be dating. I always feel like I'm doing it wrong. It's not fun at all. Reminds me of a job fair. Rule number two, focus on the growth. Hopefully, I can finally learn once and for all how to not get attached to people too quickly. 
And rule number three, decide what I really want and be determined to get that. I think I want to enjoy the process more. Basically, leave the job fair and enter the county fair. I want rides and games and fried butter, not resumes and interviews and coffee dates. Yeah, so those are the rules. And also that each week I cross something off my epic dating bucket list, my list that was supposed to get me closer to finding my person. Supposed to. But in the interest of shifting my focus to getting some other needs met, I've revised the list yet again. So are you ready to cross the first getting my needs met item off the bucket list? Okay, I don't know if I'm ready, but here we go. This week, we are crossing have a booty call situation off the list. So originally, this was not on the list. If you remember in season one, I explored the idea of having a one night stand, but it didn't really sound too appealing to me because, well, I have a tendency to be clingy and one night just didn't sound like it would satisfy me. But ultimately, my friend Alex convinced me that having an experience with, uh, what did he call it? Oh yeah, a swing for the fences guy would be enticing. So for this episode, we're going to double down on that one night stand idea and make it multiple nights of standing or crouching, but I'll get to that. Okay, so having a booty call. To be clear, I would be the booty call or, not the booty call e, meaning I call the shots. And since I've never had a booty call before and I've never been a booty call before, I wasn't exactly sure how one goes about getting a booty call. I figured maybe it's a situation that you just fall into. And well, that's exactly what happened. So let's go back. When we last left off, I was sitting on Hubba Hubba's couch and I was terrified. Do you remember why we call him Hubba Hubba? Let me refresh your memory and take you back to when I first matched with him over three months earlier. Okay, Hubba Hubba, let me tell you about this guy. Once I have a guy's phone number, I immediately Google it. I like to see what I can find out about them. So it turns out Hubba Hubba is a doctor, an emergency room doctor, a hot emergency room doctor. Great. I find a review about him online. And unlike the Hansy Doctor review, which was unfavorable, this one was favorable, a little too favorable. It reads, I really wish his picture was on here. He looks like a young Hugh Jackman, but that's irrelevant to this review. Yeah, it is. She goes on to say how great the interaction was and how she wishes he could be her regular doctor. He has all five-star reviews except for one. All the five-star reviews are from women. One describes him as having a mesmerizing smile and insatiable good looks. It's very important when reviewing a doctor, don't you think? And then there's one one-star review. It's from a bitter, bitter man. It reads, meh, he was okay. I don't think the smile was anything to write home about. I came in for a testicular examination and he got the job done. A real expert with the cup and cough. I have to say, I'm not loving these reviews. It's kind of a red flag for me. Maybe that sounds crazy. I had one friend say, so you're discriminating against him because of his good looks? Yes. Yes, I am. So this guy is what I now call hubba hubba energy. I think this is what the young people call thirst traps. There's a reason they're called traps. Stay away. It's a trick. It's a trap. It's quicksand. It's hubba hubba quicksand. And you better turn around like you see a tsunami coming right at you 
and run the other way. The hot doctor, he's hubba hubba energy. He is quicksand. He's a tsunami. Say no. But you see, that's the problem with quicksand. It gets you slowly. And then all of a sudden, you realize you're stuck. This guy is super good looking. I think we've covered that. And he's texting me while he's on vacation in Florida. He's consistent and a good communicator, and he's interested in me. And all I want to do is run away. You guys always trust that first instinct. I should have listened to myself. Anyway, so back to the story. So fast forward, we chat back and forth for a while. It took three months to meet because if you remember, I turned down his invitation for a date because I was taking a dating hiatus. And then when I came out of the hiatus, I was too curious. I had to text and see if he was still interested. And lucky for me, he was. So now we're finally meeting for the first time and I'm at his house. I never go to strangers' houses. And being this close to him makes me so nervous. And not just because he's so damn hot, but because also in this moment, I'm not sure yet if he's a serial killer or not. I'm sitting on his couch and as he dims the lights, mind you, I've only been in his house for like five minutes. I say to him, "Mm, I'm not sure what you think is going to happen here, but, and that's where we last left off. So here's what happened next. He smiles, walking back to the couch and sits down across from me. His back rests against the arm of the couch and his feet are up on the couch, facing towards me. Nothing has to happen. We can just talk, he says. That makes my body relax a little bit. My body, but not my brain. My brain is still on high alert. I blurt out, I'm a mom. I have kids. Please don't kill me. (laughs) And then I laugh so that maybe it'll come off as a joke. I realize it's not a good idea to show fear. So I switch gears. And instead of pleading for my life, I decide to let him know that if he kills me, he won't get away with it. So I say, Yeah, normally I don't go to strangers' houses, like ever, actually. This is my first time. I was so nervous that I texted your address to five of my friends. Really? He replies. So I go on, just to make sure he understands. And I say this, again, laughing or pretending to laugh, more like nervous chuckling. Chuckling is never sexy, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, one friend responded with, don't worry, we know snipers and Marines in San Diego. And then I pause triumphantly, like, just try and kill me now, hubba hubba. He just smiles and says, I do too. I used to be in the Navy, but you're safe. You used to be in the Navy? Yeah, I've done a lot of things. I also used to be a fireman. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I try not to smile. Get it together, Rachel. Breathe, look normal, pretend you're not impressed. While I'm over here trying to look nonchalant, he smirks, looks me straight in the eye and asks, so why are you here? Um, well, dating's gotten really boring. I'm just trying something new, I say. And you never go to people's houses and they don't come to your house, I nod. Well, how do you, he trails off. Yeah, that's what I mean. Boring. So I'd be your San Diego booty call? What if I don't want that? I shrug, knowing perfectly well that's exactly what he wants. He leans back on his couch and says, it feels so good just to relax. I'm thinking, relax? Who's relaxed? He can tell that I'm still uncomfortable. And he assures me again, saying, you're safe. Pretty sure that's something a serial killer would say, I mumble under my breath. He laughs. 
He tells me about the stand-up comedian he recently watched on YouTube. The comedian was saying how lucky it was for men that women are so brave. He tells me a little bit about the bit and then says, the comedian put it this way, men, it'd be like if you were on a date with a grizzly bear. It's true. Why do we always have to be the brave ones? Well, I take the opportunity as a segue to share a little bit of my stand-up comedy routine about dating with him. He laughs and says, that's actually really funny. He's teasing me. He's being playful and flirty. And for some reason, I like that. And so I start to relax a bit. He's really easy to talk to. And he's funny. He tells me a lot about himself, like that he just finished school for a second degree and is studying for a big licensing exam. He also casually throws in that he built this house himself. When not working in the ER or studying for this huge exam, it's an exam that I also took, so I know how much studying is involved. He spends his free time surfing, running, tending to his house and garden, or doing yoga. This man is smart and driven and sexy and probably not a serial killer. We continue to talk for over an hour. He listens attentively when I talk about myself, but I notice he doesn't ask any questions about anything. I've heard it's not a good sign when they don't ask questions and aren't curious about you, but is that the case? Is he not curious about me? I can't tell. At some point in the conversation, he mentions that he took a break from studying tonight specifically to meet me. I wonder if he's disappointed about that. I mean, I think it's a good date, all things considered. I can tell he's enjoying himself and he's laughing and smiling and He's definitely relaxed, but I'm not really sure if he's attracted to me. And just as I'm about to say that it's time for me to head out, he says, you're funny. No, you're witty. You're witty. And I find that attractive. I find you attractive too, I say awkwardly. And you're pretty. Prettier than your pictures. He's referring to my dating app profile pictures and there's no way. That's definitely a line. And then he scoots closer to me. He's now sitting right next to me. Our legs are touching. We're not going to have sex, but I do want to kiss you, despite your jokes. Despite or in spite of, he asks as he leans in close, his lips hovering over mine. In spite of, I whisper as our lips touch. He kisses me and pushes his hands down on my waist and says, and I wasn't expecting this body. I laugh in his face. What are you talking about, buddy? I blurt out, what were you expecting? He kisses me again, probably to avoid answering that. This guy looks, or rather feels, like he spends two hours in the gym every day. I mean, his whole body is hard. The whole thing. You, you catch my drip? You know what I'm saying? I force myself to stop kissing him and I say, Ugh, I should go. I still have to drive home. We stand up and he kisses me again. I run my fingers along the waistband of his pants. Oops, I accidentally brush up against something. Oh no, I pull away from his kiss again. I really should go. We don't have to do anything you don't want to do, he says. We can just kiss. We don't have to have sex. He's leaning in towards me. I I don't think I'll be able to control myself, I tell him laughing. Okay, he says. Will you walk me to my car, I ask? Of course. I pull my boots on and we walk down the stairs. He's talking to me about something, but I'm still thinking about those kisses and that brush with his body. We get to my car and he asks, when are you down here next? I'm back in two weeks for the Morgan Wallen concert at Petco, I tell him. He smiles and then he grabs my arm gently and says, hey, don't start going to strangers' houses now. Oh, I won't, I assure him. I get in my car 
and drive off. Oh my God, what just happened? One minute I was afraid of dying and the next minute I was dying to rip his clothes off. I called Julie. Julie, oh my God. I recount the entire evening for her. When I'm done telling her every single detail, all she can say is, his whole body was hard, huh? Okay, what's wrong with him? Nothing, he's literally perfect. But then doubt creeps in. She's right, something doesn't add up. The next morning I get a text from him at 7.30 a.m. I love early morning texts. It says, Hey, hope the drive wasn't bad last night. Had fun meeting you. I want him to know that we don't live too far away from each other. So I reply, it only took about an hour. So not bad at all. Although I did have motivation to get home quickly. I know, you love my jokes. Oh, not bad. You wish. And then I add, I do appreciate you taking time away from studying to meet me and make out with me. Much appreciated. My pleasure. So that was Wednesday morning. By Wednesday night, I've convinced myself that hubba hubba is dangerous. Yeah, there's definitely something fishy here. He's definitely a pathological liar or a con man or a serial killer. It would be completely irresponsible to ever see him again. I can never go to his house again. No, I mean, I have children. I can't be irresponsible. I'm never gonna see him again. It's settled. But then, while lying in bed that night and thinking about how I can never, definitely ever see this man ever, ever again, a thought pops into my head. But what if this is the universe giving you your person? You believe in manifesting. You believe in the ability to manifest your dreams. So what if the universe is giving you everything you ever wanted? A hot, successful guy who's handy and funny and smart and likes you and likes your jokes and used to be a fireman. What if this is just self-sabotage? Which is more likely, that he's a serial killer or that he's your person? How do I know if I'm cock-blocking myself or if this really is a bad idea? The universe is either rewarding me or testing me. I mean, I really did feel safe with him. I didn't feel anything was off. Wouldn't my gut tell me if something was off? Wouldn't I feel that in my body? My body felt fine. Side note for the future, Rachel, don't trust your body to tell you anything around a sexy guy. Go with your brain. I decided I'm gonna run a background check. (laughs) Duh, I would have done this before the first date, but I wasn't expecting to end up in his house. I get out of bed, go down to my office and hop on my laptop. I pay the $10 and when his report comes up, it just serves to confuse me more. Okay, so few. He doesn't have a criminal record. And it does show that he has a current medical license and also an expired EMT license. So he was a fireman. Can we just pause for a second, though, and imagine this guy as a fireman? Okay, so anyway, that checks out. It also shows that he does own his house and actually a few other properties, too. But he specifically told me that he'd never been to Orange County. And the report shows that one of his medical licenses is tied to an office in Orange County. So what's that about? Maybe nothing. But then the phone number that he gave me isn't one of the four numbers listed on the report. And the number I have has a Texas area code. And he's never even lived in Texas. So is this a burner phone? But how can he be so responsive with a burner phone? And it's not a Google Voice number since the text bubbles show up blue and not green. I pull up his picture, like it has some kind of answer. It's just gonna try and persuade me to see him again. Look away, Rachel, look away. No, but wait, this is really weird. 
I just realized he doesn't look like his photos. I mean, he resembles them. And both men, the one in the photos and the one in person, are extremely good looking. So it's not a catfish, but there's just something off. Maybe I'm being paranoid. I mean, he has a beard now, and in the photos, he doesn't. So maybe that's it, I tell myself. I check in with my gut. Yep, nothing. I feel safe. Looking back, though, I wonder, was that my gut that was feeling safe or some other body part? The next morning, I hear from him again. It's Friday now. Hey, how was the rest of your week? Hi, it was so good. Super productive. Not as exciting as Tuesday, but it'll do. How's the studying going? Uh-huh. Can't have excitement all the time. Not bad. Cruising along. You're back down next week? That first line hits me hard. He's right. I can't have excitement all the time. I'm impressed with his wisdom. I'm easily impressed. And at this point, I think I'm reaching. So I reply, LOL, you're right. It's actually the week after next that I'm supposed to be down there, but he gave me an opening to go back sooner. Do I want to take it? I don't think so. I think I need another week to figure things out. So then I reply, possibly on the 9th, definitely on the 13th. Around either of those? Now that I know you're not a serial killer, just a super busy homebody, I add. But am I trying to convince myself of that? I should be around both. <laughs> Phew. Okay, awesome. I'll keep you posted on that. And yeah, few. Okay, honestly, I don't think the real danger here is whether he's a serial killer. The real risk is, am I going to get attached to this guy? Earlier in the week, I discovered a brand new country song called Ride the Wave. It's a song about a summer romance, and the lyrics say, no idea where this is going, I just want to ride the wave. Maybe it'll last for the summer, maybe it'll last just one more night. This becomes my anthem for Hubba Hubba. Let's just ride the wave, see where it goes. No attachment. He continues to text every couple days. He's consistently inconsistent. He's still replying immediately to my text, and so I feel confident that he's still interested, and that's all that matters to me right now. And to be clear, I'm not under any delusion that I'm the only person he's dating or texting. And I'm okay with that. Because honestly, there's another guy I'm texting too that I'm also interested in. He lives in Arizona, and we'll get to him later. But basically, this helps me keep the attachment level low. Hey, how was your weekend? Hi, my weekend was a good mix. Took the boys to see Indiana Jones, got outside for a long hike. How was yours? Working and studying? Get outside at all? Oh, awesome. That about sums it up. But went running and swimming too. Found this cute puppy on a run. He sends a photo of himself with his shirt off and running shorts. Sweaty with a dog. The photo's been cropped, so it's mostly him and a little bit of the dog. Damn, his body. I try zooming in to see the reflection in his sunglasses. Who's taking this photo? It's definitely a woman. But who is she? The dog owner, a friend, his running mate? And then I noticed it looks like he has a big tattoo down his side. Oh my God, he has a tattoo. <laughs> is there a puppy there, I tease? He resends the photo, but this time not cropped and adds, LOL. I reply, still not looking at the dog. When his reply comes in, my car is set up to read text messages. And so when the response from him comes through, I push play. I'm not fully prepared for what I'm about to hear. The car reads in her computer voice. Hubba Hubba says, get your ass back down here. Whoa. <sighs> Later, I will read that text over and over and over and then screenshot it and send it to probably five of my friends. 
It was just the sexiest thing to me. Get your ass back down here. So that was Monday, and now it's Friday, and I haven't heard anything. So I decided to send him a note about our next meeting. I mean, I could potentially drive down in two days on Sunday, but I don't really want to, especially since I'll be down there at the end of the week for the Morgan Wallen concert. I text him and say, hey, so it turns out I won't be down there on Sunday, but definitely on Thursday. You still good for Thursday? No worries. Thursday works. This time, he continues to check in throughout the week and confirms the night before as to time. Again, it's going to be 8.30. That's fine. We know what this is now. The day of our big date, I'm getting my hair done and another text comes through from him. It says, Looking forward to seeing you tonight. Remember my address? I had just been chatting with the woman who's blow drying my hair. She's done my hair a number of times before and she knows me. She's slightly older than me and kind of has like a big sister motherly vibe. She's also a single mom, even though her kids are grown, and she's always giving me unsolicited advice on how to live my life. It's hard to understand her through the blow dryer and also her thick accent, but she's been telling me basically how important it is to wait to sleep with a guy and not to make out with him too soon. Don't even kiss him. Oh, it's too late for that, I'm thinking. So I show her the text, and then I also show her his picture. Although, is it his picture? Anyway, she says, Okay, wow, this is a man you can't walk by on the street. Oh my God. She changes her tune about the waiting to do anything stuff when she sees his photo. She wants me to know that she's on board with whatever happens tonight. It's kind of funny. Yeah, this man is quicksand. I drive down and check into my hotel. So much more civilized than sitting in the Whole Foods parking lot and putting my lipstick on in the Whole Foods bathroom. I change my clothes, touch up my hair and makeup and head out the door. I text him when I part and he walks out onto his balcony to greet me. Come on up, he says. I walk up the stairs and kick off my flip-flops and plop down on his couch. He offers me a glass of wine and this time I accept. We start chatting. He's been studying and working mostly. Earlier in the week, I had told him about a podcast I was going to be a guest on when he texted to ask about my day. And since he used to be in the military and the host of the podcast is in the military, I decide he might find it interesting. I notice that I'm trying to be interesting. I think I want him to show curiosity about what I do. I mean, he still has no idea what I do for a living. So I say to him, it was a really fun interview. And the host is an instructor for the Air Force. And then I tell him, and when I looked up the podcast later, I saw the other guests. They're all heroes, like military heroes, gladiators, Olympic gold medalists, a Super Bowl legend, and then me. I'm kind of surprised they reached out. I laugh. He takes the bait and says, yeah, why did they have you on? I shrug. I guess he thought I have an interesting story. I figure I'm going to build a little mystery and intrigue here. He doesn't have to be the only mysterious one. About 45 minutes into our date, we can call it a date, yes? A helicopter flies over his house and I can hear them saying something muffled over the loudspeaker. Mm, what are they saying? I ask him. They're looking for a suspect wearing a gray long sleeve shirt and navy pants. I look down and he's described his own outfit. I laugh, shut up, you jerk. And that's when he decides to dim the lights. Mm-hmm. He walks back over to the couch and well, we start to make out. I'm fine with this, but I tell him that I'm not gonna sleep with him. I'm not ready for that yet. He says, that's okay, we can just kiss. And I say, oh no, I don't wanna just kiss. It's been way too long and this is my swing for the fences guy. Yes, he'd be great to have a relationship with, but. Something tells me this is definitely not my guy. I'm just supposed to have fun with this one. So now it's official. I have a booty call. 
I say when, I say how far, I say how often. We finish, said makeout session, and he gets up to get a glass of water. He's not wearing his shirt, and I remember the photo with the dog, so I pretend I'm seeing it. Oh, do you have a tattoo? I ask. Yeah. What is it? It's of my ex-wives. How many ex-wives do you have? Six, he replies. Shut up. Have you ever been married? No, I've never even been close. 43 years old and never been close? That's interesting. I once had a friend ask me if I thought it was a red flag if a guy had been divorced more than once. I said, absolutely not. I think it potentially shows he's serious about marriage and commitment and relationship-minded. Not always, obviously, but I'd rather take a guy divorced twice over a guy never married any day of the week and twice on Sundays. I start to get dressed and grab my things. You're leaving already, he asks. This actually makes me smile. Wow, maybe I'm better at this booty call thing than I thought. You have an exam to study for and you work early in the morning. I continue to gather my things. He replies, yeah, most of my friends don't even know I'm taking the exam and those that do don't really understand. It's nice to have someone who gets it. I smile. Walk him to my car? Absolutely, he says. He walks me to my car and kisses me. The next day is the Morgan Wallen concert. I cannot contain my excitement. Danielle, my best friend from high school, has agreed to go to the concert with me, and I am so happy. I pick her up from the train station, we head to our hotel, check in, change, grab a drink, and then head to the concert. First, we shop the merchandise booth. Debating on whether I want a t-shirt or a hat, I spy an autographed guitar in the corner of the booth. Is that guitar signed by Morgan Wallen, I ask? Yeah, do you want to see it? Sure, I shrug. I have no intention of buying it. But when she shows it to me, a little voice whispers, you need that. About a minute passes and I hear myself say, uh, okay, I'll take it. And the shirt. The young girl behind me in line gasps and says, oh, that's so cool. I pay for it and they agree to hold it for me until after the show. We go to our seats. We have really great seats. And the whole concert is so good. We have an absolute blast. When it's time to leave, it's impossible to get an Uber, of course. But then I spot an empty rickshaw. Danielle flags him down and we jump in with the guitar and fly through the streets of downtown San Diego in the bike lane, passing all the traffic. Seriously, the whole night was perfect. I haven't heard from Hubba Hubba, but I love that it doesn't put a damper on my night at all. I'm just on a high from a really fun night with one of my best friends. The next day, Danielle and I get up, grab Starbucks, have breakfast, and then head home. And that's when he texts. How's the weekend been? I'm driving, so I can't reply. But I tell Danielle that I'm so glad I didn't give in to that self-sabotage speak and that I let myself have fun with this guy. I really like so many things about him and I'm not future tripping. Since Danielle also likes country music, I tell her about the new Ride the Wave song and I put it on for her to hear. Attachment level check, still low. When I get home, I text him back. So good. The concert was so fun. Just got home. Traffic was rough today. What about yours? Practicing your essays? You know what they say. Practice makes perfect. That's what I'm told. You must have practiced a lot then. You were pretty perfect. LOL. I think I could use more practice. Well, get your butt down here more often. That makes me smile. He wants more and so do I. And then another week goes by and nothing. It's the week before the exam, so I expect he's pretty busy studying. Sunday before the exam, I decide to text him to wish him luck. Not in an attempt to hear from him, but because I genuinely want to. I text him and say, good luck this week. I know you got this, but I still want to send some extra luck your way. 
He responds immediately with, Hey, thank you. When are you back this way? I look at my calendar and then I reply, I think next weekend. Are you around Sunday? We can celebrate you being done. I should be. He says noncommittally and sends a smiley face. LOL. Well, okay, let me know. Either way, it'll feel good to be done. And then I add just one way would feel way better. Which way is that? He replies. We continue to text back and forth suggestively a bit. That week, he takes the exam, which lasts two full days. And I don't hear from him at all. And now it's Sunday. And I haven't heard anything about whether we have a date tonight or not. I had made a hair appointment. So instead of canceling this time, I decide that I'm going to keep the appointment and just go out with friends instead. If I hear from him, I'm going to tell him that I made other plans, but I probably won't hear from him. I go for a hike and I leave my phone at home. I think a lot about hubba hubba, the situation and dating in general on my walk. My friend Ryan had sent me a reel on Instagram that talked about the power of using the phrase, I wonder what it would feel like instead of worrying about the worst case scenario. So for example, instead of worrying that I won't hear from him, that I'll never hear from him again and that this booty call situation is over, I try saying, I wonder what it would feel like to get a text from him saying he wants to see me tonight. Hmm. No, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good, giving him the power. So then I try, I wonder what it would feel like to trust that the universe is always supporting me. I wonder how it would feel knowing that if I don't get a text from him, that's the universe supporting me. And if I do, that's also the universe supporting me. Yeah, I like that. That feels really good. When I get home, there's a text from him. Okay, so what do I want to do now? I can stay home based on principle, and then I'll just end up feeling sorry for myself because I'm single and I have nothing to do. Or I can go see this guy who wants to see me, who I want to see, and actually have something to do tonight. Besides, I do have that hair appointment. I decide I'm going. I text him back and set off to get ready. Pretty soon my hair is done and I'm getting dressed. I feel happy and really excited to be seeing him again tonight. I do like him. I'm not attached. I remind myself I'm just having fun and I'm riding the way. I put on the song again to get in the right mindset. I throw on a brand new top I just bought. It's a cute button down short sleeve navy top. It's sheer though, so it needs something underneath. I decide I'm going all in. I go into my closet and find the black lace bodysuit that I had bought for a boudoir shoot I did a couple years ago. I only wore it that one time for the shoot, but I decide it's time to bring it out. I pull my jeans and boots on and catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. Wow, I feel so sexy in this outfit. I drive down to his house. I know the routine by now. Park on the next street over, walk up to his house, up the stairs, and he's there smiling, waiting for me. I pull my boots off. Wow, you look so nice, he says. Yes, I do. I did good. The top was definitely the right choice. I plop down on the couch. We exchange pleasantries, and then I ask him about the exam. Are you over it, or do you want to tell me about it? Sure, I'll tell you about it. He starts to tell me all about the hard parts and the frustrating parts and the parts he found interesting and the essay questions. I actually love this. I feel like we're really connecting. I ask him about work, and he tells me that today he removed a live spider from a man's ear. Ugh, I shiver. Oh, I hate spiders, I say. Ugh, I imagine seeing a spider in someone's ear and shiver again. Did you scream, I ask him, scrunching up my face? He laughs. No, bugs don't bother me. It did freak me out when it started to move, though. It was big. Again, I'm twisting in my seat. 
A lot of people come in thinking they have a bug in their ear and they never do, but this guy did. He gives me a devilish grin. I can tell he's happy that he got under my skin. Something feels different this time. He seems more attentive, definitely more interested. And then he says, well, now that my exam is done, I'll have more time. I reply, I was going to tell you that I'll be in San Diego quite a bit this month if that interests you. He nods and smiles. Well, tell me about your week. How was it? It's weird to say, but he usually doesn't ask about my week. But I can tell that he's genuinely interested. I just say, it was really good. And work works good. It's funny because I had just wrapped season two of the podcast and launched the season finale that week. So I say, oh yeah, I feel really happy. I completed a big project at work and I'm celebrating that. Oh yeah? He asks, what kind of project? Um, okay. So do I tell him about the podcast? I decide not to offer it up right away. And I say, well, I wrapped a season of this show that I do. A show, he asks, like a TV show? Okay, so that didn't really work. Uh, no, I shake my head. A radio show? Just tell him, Rachel. I kind of shrug and mumble. It's um, a podcast. Oh, what's it about? Well, it's a combination of my love of comedy and personal development. He smiles. I love that. And then I add, it's about dating. Oh, really? He laughs as his eyes get big. Uh, yeah, you're actually in it. You're the cliffhanger at the end, I tell him. I tell him about the serial killer line at the very end of the last episode, and he laughs. That's clever, he says. Are you recording an episode this week? No, I'm on hiatus between seasons. And then I start to tell him about my vision for season three. I'm working on next season, and I'm kind of playing with this concept of how do you fill the gap while you're waiting to find your person? You know, like, when you're going after something you desire, what do you do to get your needs met in the gap? I can tell he's thinking about it. And he says, I think it's better if you don't fill the gap. Like, give yourself incentive to keep going for your actual goal. He starts to tell me about his perspective for staying motivated to cross the finish line. And while his drive is sexy, I'm thinking, dude, you're about to talk yourself out of a booty call. Maybe he realizes this too because he changes the subject and asks me, do you ever get turned down when you ask men out? I frown and reply, I don't ask men out. And then I say, oh, well, I asked one guy out for the podcast and he said yes. And then he actually came on the podcast. And then I add, well, I guess I asked you out too, but that was only because you asked me out first. So only two men and I'm two and out. So when's your next show? He asks. He's asking about my stand-up comedy. I tell him that I don't have anything on the books at the moment. I bet you get a ton of material from your dates. I laugh. Oh, yeah, I do. He playfully says, maybe you'll get some material tonight. Careful what you wish for, buddy, if you only knew what was coming. We sit on his couch and continue talking for over an hour. And then he gets up and goes over to the refrigerator. Want some watermelon? He pulls out this huge bowl of perfectly cut up watermelon. You cut that up? He nods. Earlier in the day, I had cut up a watermelon too, except for I cut it up in those like big picnic slices and ate half the watermelon that way. Ain't nobody got time for tiny little watermelon carving. I tell him, no thanks. I already ate so much watermelon today. And then he dims the lights. So that concludes the conversation portion of the evening, I tease. He nods and smiles. Yeah, it's watermelon eating time and pops a couple more pieces of watermelon in his mouth. Then he walks back over to the couch. How's this to fill the gap? He asks, leaning in and kissing me. I giggle. 
Don't do it, Rachel. Don't make a joke about filling your gap. Don't just kiss him back. He pushes his hand up my shirt and fumbles around. He's found the lace bodysuit. What's this? He asks. I smile and say, I wore it for you. He pulls back, kind of stunned, kind of excited. You did? You want to show it to me? I bite my lip. I'm kind of embarrassed now, but I say, yeah, I do. And pull my shirt off over my head. He takes it in. Oh, I like this, he says, and proceeds to uh, continue what he was doing. We make out, and just as we're finishing, there's a knock on the door. Mind you, it's 10.30 at night. And it's not a hard knock, like, hey, that's the police. We're here for the serial killer. It's more of a soft, hey, knock. At first, I'm relieved that the police won't be kicking down the door. But then I hear the buttons of the door lock being punched in. In seconds, he's up and holding the doorknob. I don't know if he's holding it closed because whomever is out there actually knows the code to his door or if he's just listening. I make a joke and he smiles and whispers, I love your sense of humor. I pull my shirt back over my head and sit there, registering what's happening. We sit there in silence for what seems like forever. And then he says, I think she's still out there. I hope you loved that episode of Love Before 100. And actually, if you did, I'd appreciate it so much if you'd go leave us a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast app. And then be sure to come back next week to find out what happens next and tell me cross another thing off my bucket list. That's been the-